Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. On this episode, I talk with Tim Schurer about his new book, The Secret Society of Success. Friends, you're going to love this book so much. The subtitle is Stop Chasing the Spotlight and Learn to Enjoy Your Work and Life Again. I think I read it in about three days. It was that good. I honestly couldn't put it down. And hey, while I've got you, definitely consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. I have a lot of great guests lined up that, trust me, you won't want to miss. Okay. Here's me and Tim chatting about his new book, The Secret Society of Success. All right, I'm here with my new friend, Tim, and I cannot wait to share with you his new book. But let's start with this. Tim, tell everybody who you are and what you do. Oh, man. So I'm in such a fun season of my life right now. I just transitioned into a new role, a new career, if you will. Having spent the past decade working alongside Donald Miller as the COO of StoryBrand. So I was the first employee. Don and I built the business and I left a a dream job to chase a new dream and me going all in on wanting to spread the message around this book and helping people redefine success. So I'm doing speaking and, you know, this book, and then I also have my podcast. So it's just such a wild adventure that I've been on. So you spent that time with Don, but then before that had a few years at Apple and then even had a small bit at Tom's Shoes. And in the last 15 years, what it really comes down to for me is I love helping people build winning teams. That's that's really my primary motivation. What I love so much about the role that I had running the business with Don, people talent management, that's what it's all about. And if we can learn to build winning teams and and healthy cultures, I think we're all going to be better for it. So that is a lot of what I have been focusing on and what I love to do and talk about. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into all that. I want to first give a hat tip to Ashley Jones, who uh, connected us. And (laughs) Actually, I just published uh, another interview from Ashley Jones, an an Ashley introduction with Bonnie Wan, The Life Brief. Um, She's working on a book. Um, but, um, I, I'm real curious. One more question before we jump into the book, what gave you the confidence? Cause you know, I think you have, you have two children. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. Four-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh man. You're in the thick of it. <laughs> you're in the thick <laughs> of it. That's what everybody says. Every yeah. time I say four and two, they're like, Woo. Yeah. Like, well, okay, like this is normal. Okay, good. I feel better. <laughs> I've got five kids. Um, but the youngest is 10, 10 to 17. And I think having a, I had a two and four year old once, I think that's harder. (laughs) So, so (laughs) I'm amazed you're doing all this, but I'm just curious, like so many people I know are in a successful career, you know, have started a family and, you know, life gets more complicated, the older you get and you have more responsibilities and it gets harder and harder to step out and try something new. And you, again, you've had a great career. What, what, what gave you the confidence or what pulled you to make you take that big step? About five years ago, I was at an event. My friend Bob Goff had a a workshop and he called it Dream Big. At the end of the two days, they go around the room and ask everybody, what's your big dream? 
and I said out loud for the very first time, I'd love to write a book. No idea what that book would be about. And then I just started putting a little something on the plot every day. It felt like for it was really five years. And the closer I got to the book releasing, the more I realized for me to do that well, to give it 100%, but then also to do and give 100% at my regular job, it, something was going to give. And I really looked at it as, um, oh man, the confidence. It's such a great question because there is a little bit of uncertainty unknown that I'm willingly stepping into. So let's just talk about the practical things here where I have been given some incredible gifts. So if I were to transition out and let's just say that I transition in this career, I'm just going to assume for a little bit, it's going to have $0 and that's coming in, right? Yep. So I had to, you know, I had some savings. So I'm like, okay, I have a little bit of a runway there. But when I started talking about all this with Don, the CEO of StoryBrand, this is just where the whole story is so beautiful for me. And when we, I, I really was telling him the predicament that I was in this, what do I do? Cause I don't want to let anything fall. I, I want to give the book everything that I have. I want to not drop anything at work. And we just both realized it's, that's just not the reality. So here, after I finally decided, I think I just got to chase this thing. When we told the staff, Don said, you've helped make my dream come true. I want us to do everything we can to make your dream come true. So he's paying me for six months, my full salary, to really help me launch well. So I look at that as, okay, I had some money that I had pulled, but then now I have six more months. I've given myself a really long runway now to just go for it. And I, I say that because that is not normal, okay? Mm -hmm. Like that I leave and I get six months. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yep. So I haven't had to really struggle too much so far because I've had this gift of getting my normal salary, even though I've pivoted and transitioned. So part of it too is, okay, I know as a business leader to run a business, you need money. So I started thinking about, okay, what are my products? What are my revenue streams? How can I make money? And so I started putting together a list of a few things that I could really do to generate some revenue for, for this new company, um, one of those being keynotes. And so I've started working on that product, um, another doing some consulting. I've spent a ton of time on the media and production side of the business. So now I have a client that I work with um, about half time producing a podcast. So it's, it gives me just a little bit more of an ability, a, an on-ramp to be able to do all of this now. So that's a long answer to saying there was a lot of factors, um, but and uh, and even in some of that, I still feel like it's a bit of a leap, and I have no idea what six months from now, twelve months is going to look like. But I'm any good story has challenge and stakes, and fortunately, I've learned all that I have from StoryBrand about what good stories are all about, and now I'm trying to live one with my life. And here we go. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, and that, yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, Don, what Don's doing to help you is incredible. And it just shows what you did for him um, at StoryBrand. So love that you have that relationship. So 
when I, when I read this book, so the book is called the secret society of success. Um, when I read this, I could tell that you had to write this book. Like yeah. I could tell, I could tell your passion. I could tell that you needed to get it out. So I'm not surprised to hear, you know, what, what you just shared because, um, so much of you is in this book and the stories you tell and the things that you learned. I'm just a huge believer. So why don't you, why don't we start with this? Can you give the premise of what the secret society is? Yeah. So I'm sure y'all are familiar with the story of Apollo 11, you know, man's first trip to the moon. You have Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But what a lot of people don't know, there's actually a third astronaut on that mission and his name was Michael Collins. So Michael Collins, the guy Ubers, Neil and Buzz to the moon, drops them off so that they can do the various tasks that they have to do on the moon surface while he stays back in the command module. He doesn't get to walk on the moon. He stays in the command module and orbits the moon something like 26 times until those guys are ready to be picked up and brought back to Earth. And what would make it a pretty miserable story to me is if he were to get back, sit with the press and say something like, well, it sure would have been nice to actually walk on the moon or, you know, acted like a victim, tried to take the spotlight away from the mission as a whole. But what's beautiful to me is that's not at all what happened. He talked about how content he was to have had one of those seats. So why is it that to be successful, we feel like we have to step into the spotlight, climb the ladder, be the boss, chase whatever version of success that's been dangled in front of us in our lives and careers? Do we have to walk on the moon to be happy? Because I've actually chased these. I've done that. There is a season of my life where I have learned the hard way, all of these things that that pursuit isn't it. It, it didn't bring me the, the fulfillment that I, I really was looking for. So if success is not fame, money, and power, what is it? And so I've discovered the secret society of people that I call the secret society of success who have just shown me a new way to live and a new way to define success. So this book is that. It's, it's stories and it's um, really paradigm shifts each and every chapter that will get people to think a little bit differently about what success is. Yeah. And I think you call it the spotlight mindset, right? That, that idea that you have to be chasing success really as it's defined by society. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's get winning the award. It's having the biggest, this it's being the fastest growing that it's like this constant chase that we're on because we think that's what we have to do. Um, and you know, I find w what I'm hoping is that, more and more of my friends in corporate America that might listen to this or that I, when I share it on social, um, that they read this book because I find the new midlife crisis, if you will, is, is not, you know, the, the 40 year old buying a Porsche. It's them getting to a point in their career and saying, I've, I've been successful, but to what end? Like here I am, I'm yeah. at, you know, now I just have more reports and a bigger title and a bigger paycheck, but I'm not fulfilled. And I feel like this book will help them find where to get that fulfillment. Yeah, I, I agree. And so much of this shift happens when we start to think outside of ourselves. And this climb that you're describing, the person who's been wildly successful, but it's almost 
them hitting these plateaus time and time again and realizing, wow, I feel the same way that I did three positions ago, even though I'm in what a lot of people would consider a dream job, making dream money. I have everything that I need, and yet there is just something that's missing. Do I need to now go be the CEO somewhere? Is like, is that it? And then now they chase that, and guess what? They're going to be experiencing the same thing when they do that. So we have to get to the root of the issue. And the root of the issue is realizing that we all are up against the spotlight mindset, this unhealthy desire for attention and recognition. If we don't have language for this thing that we feel, this, this pressure, this you know, constant striving towards chasing this thing, if we don't have language for that, then I don't think that we're going to know how to solve it. And the way to solve it is learning to live in the way of the secret society, figuring out what that is. And what I've found that trips a lot of people up is if I were to ask anyone listening to fill in the blank here, success is like, how would you fill that in? Because for so many of us, that restlessness that we feel is because we are not living in integrity with, and when I say integrity, I mean, there's a definition of the word integrity. It's, you know, yes, good morals, good values. That's one. Another definition is internal consistency. So for so many of us, we are not living in integrity with the way that we are living and the way that we want to live. Because if I had you fill in the blank, success is, most people would probably not write the best title, the, you know, the top position, the X number of dollars. They wouldn't write that. But so many of us are living our lives as though that was the thing we were chasing. So What's fascinating to me is something as simple as clarifying your definition of success for yourself, for you. You and I likely don't have the same fill in the blank. Like we don't. And so it's important for each of us to run our own race, right? And if I'm trying to live against your definition of success, I would fail most likely. And so for so many of us, we just need to get clear on what that is so that we can see in our lives where maybe we're doing things, we're chasing things, where our thoughts are filled with all of the influence that we have around kind of what success is not. Yes. It's, it's amazing for someone, for someone like yourself, for someone like me who, who sort of has already defined what that is, it's amazing to look back to when we didn't have that, but then also think about you know, I think it's a wide majority of people that have not defined success for their lives, right? They, they have an idea of financially where they want to get, or to your point, they might be competing in something. They know what the goal of that is, but what's more important than our lives. But so yeah. few people spend the time sitting down and actually writing that down. Um, and, and again, I, I think that's where this, this mindset is so different. It's, it's take that time and, and decide for yourself, not what everyone else thinks it should be that success looks like for your life. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the favorite stories of mine is from 2020, LeBron James and the Lakers, they won the NBA finals. So I'm, you know, this is for me, what success can be like, what it can look like. So 
they win the finals. They give a trophy out to the team at the end of the season, but they also give a trophy out at the end of the season to the scoring leader in the NBA, the person who had the highest points per game average. It's a pretty big deal to be the scoring leader. Michael Jordan won that thing, a record setting 10 times. But what's interesting to me is in 2020, LeBron didn't win the scoring leader title. He wasn't even in the top five, even though he's got all the talent in the world to win it. I feel like if he wanted to chase that, he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But in 2020, LeBron led the league in assists meaning the way he chose to play and ultimately how he and his team won was not by him taking over games and flying solo. It was him setting his teammates up to score. So what if success is in the assist? Mm. And when I was the COO of StoryBrand, I hired every single employee. And one day an application came through and on this person's resume, they had listed one of my favorite companies. If I told you the name of the brand, I'm sure everybody here likely owns a product by this brand. And I, I, I really couldn't wait to talk to them to find out what it was like to work there. And in the first interview, I'm like, tell me everything. I was so excited. And they said something I'll never forget. They said, it's a really competitive environment, but here's the deal. Nobody there has your back. I'm like, what do you mean nobody has your back? And they went on to describe that everyone was so interested in their own climb, their own journey, that they would never do anything, be it giving recognition to somebody, giving credit to somebody else. They wouldn't even really give any of their time to help somebody else's project unless it had something to do with advancing their own path and their own journey. And that to me is just such a tragedy because when a culture of people is seen and what's spoken of them is nobody there has your back, like that's not the kind of team that I want to be a part of. That's not the kind of culture that I want to create. I want to create a culture more like the one described, you know, with the Lakers, LeBron James, you got a leader who is all about the assist. What if we started to look at success as the assist, mm -hmm. helping others win? And I think if we do that more often, I just don't think that we're going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You, you touch on the importance of recognition in the book. Um, and I want oh. to tell, yeah, I want to tell you a story because it's so funny the way you described it and talked about it. But several years back, um, I was at um, a assembly for my kids at their school. And at the end of the assembly, they have the kids all sort of sitting um, by their grade sort of like the kindergartners up front in front of the stage. And then it goes back to, I think the sixth graders and at the end they do acknowledgements. And so the, the principal has a mic and then another kid gets a mic and they go around and kids are allowed to recognize their peers for anything. Really. He wants them to be based on, they have their core values of the school, but you know, and so you'd hear like a, a little kid say, um, you know, uh, I want to recognize Susie for helping me up when I fell off the, you know, slide yesterday. Oh, so sweet. All the way to like, you know, a sixth grader talking about a big test and somebody helping him study. So I took that. And one day this was like five or six years ago at my company, Dragon Army. And I said, what if I tried that at the end of a company meeting? And so I left 10 minutes at the end of the company meeting and just said, I'm going to open this up for what I'll call acknowledgements. If you want to acknowledge someone else on the team for anything they've done over the last week, let's, let's do it. And I started with one and it, it took off to the point where <laughs> it's now the most popular 
part of our meetings. And as a matter of fact, we've had people that are on vacation call in for our uh, monthly company meeting just to make sure they get a chance to acknowledge people. We've had tears. I mean, people crying. We've had several people that joined our company like, and the second or third day was the company meeting. So they were sitting there and they literally said later, they're like, I thought I was in a cult because it was crazy how much you guys were, you know, like acknowledging each other. And it was so great. So anyways, I just, it really resonated with me because it's such a simple thing, giving people the opportunity and encouraging people to recognize their peers. It's so impactful. Yeah. So here's the reality. We will never get the credit we deserve for the work that we do. And I think that is very hard for people to fully accept. And if you think about it, it makes sense because for so many of us, if we do our jobs with excellence, we become invisible. And here's what I mean by that. I'm at a concert at the Ryman Auditorium, which is my favorite place to watch a show here in Nashville. And at one point during the set, the lead singer was playing guitar standing center stage On the next song, he jumps back onto a piano. So he scooted a little bit further back. And for just a minute, the guy running the spotlight lost him. And we, everybody in the crowd knew exactly what was going on. He's doing figure eights on the stage, clearly (laughs) lost. The lead singer calls him out jokingly, gotta stay with me, bro. And everyone laughs and the show goes on. But I couldn't help but think about the guy running the spotlight. If he does his job to perfection, he becomes invisible. And the only time that we actually think about him is when he makes a mistake. And I think this is true for so many of us in our roles. If we are doing our jobs well, owning our part, people don't have to think about us. They don't have to worry about this. They just know that we have it. We become invisible. Well, there's a problem with this. So what can happen is people, if if, if they don't People don't understand all that we do. We're not going to be recognized for the work that we do. And and over time, we can start to not feel valued. And the reality is we just all need a little recognition to feel valued. And my friend David Novak is the co-founder and former chairman and CEO of Yum Brands, which is the parent corporation for KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. And in David's tenure as CEO... He grew Yum Brands from $4 billion to $32 billion. I mean, it's incredible. So how did they do it? They created a culture of recognition where every single person was valued. Their contribution to the team was valued. And so David had a personal recognition award When he was the president of Pizza Hut, he had a cheese head. When he was over at uh, KFC, he had a a floppy chicken he would give out. But he had at Yum what he called the walk the talk teeth. I'm showing you this because we're on video, but how crazy is this? Oh, wow. (laughs) So he has these walk the talk teeth. And it's just a fun little award that he would give out. And so he would sign them sign the award, and then tell the person. And then he would give a recognition award for somebody who's really driving results for the business, modeling the behaviors that they would want to see in the company. So he'd take a picture with the person after he gives them the award and say, you can, I'm going to send you a copy of this picture. You can do whatever you'd like with it. But I'm going to put your picture 
on the walls in my office. Mm. Because when people come into my office, I want to show them that this is the kind of thing that really is making our company happen. Like you're the one driving the, the business. So he ran out of space on the walls so much so that he started to put these picture frames on the ceiling. Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just so beautiful what can happen when people feel recognized and appreciated. And David says, recognition is the soft stuff. And a lot of people would think about what you and I are talking about as fluffy, you know, whatever, like, come on, really recognition. This is the, the, the business strategy. <laughs> but David says it's the soft stuff that drives the hard results. Yeah. Because if people feel seen and valued, they're going to show up a little bit differently each and every day. So we could talk for a long time about recognition because this is something that I am very passionate about. And like you, we used to close out our our staff meetings with shout outs. It's let's call out the things that are happening behind the scenes in our company that may otherwise go unnoticed and unrecognized because something as simple as that five, 10 minutes at the end of the meeting can make somebody just feel seen and appreciated. And I don't think there's anything more important than that. It it may be like, if you were to give a business owner, like one piece of advice, it may be one of the easiest pieces of advice because it costs nothing to do. And yeah, yet it's time. everybody is impacted. If, if you're recognizing someone, you're having to think about others and think about how they've helped. And you feel good when you do something nice like that. They, of course, feel great. But then everybody else, there's like this ripple effect. And it's it's the simplest thing. But man, to pull a team together, I don't know if there's any single silver bullet as good as that. Yeah. And I also think recognition needs to go two ways. I I think it also needs to go up to leaders. Leaders need to be recognized too, because there's so much that leaders do that people don't fully understand. Therefore, they're not recognized. And leaders can often feel like they're not valued. And so if we can be the kinds of leaders who are giving recognition, and that is the shadow that we cast as a leader, I also feel that people will then model that behavior in the rest of the company. And we then create a culture where everyone recognizes others. And so we would make it a point to call out our CEO and just tell him all the good that he was doing. I mean, he'd be out on the road doing so many keynotes and, you know, all, but we knew that that was driving the business. And so just even in the the end of a staff meeting, saying something like, man, Don, you've done four keynotes this month, which means that every single week you're on the plane, leaving your family at home. And I can only imagine the toll that that takes. You're exhausted from all the traveling, but just want you to know that when you're out there talking to people about all of you know the, the things that you are, not only is it helping our business, it's helping all of their businesses grow. So just want you to know, we see you, we appreciate you. And, you know, really thank you for doing all that you do. Yeah. And what's that take? 20 seconds? Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Another concept you talk about is having fun in what you do. Um, And you specifically use the example of the Savannah bananas, which I had never heard of, but I'm not kidding you. It it made me want to live in Savannah. I'm like, I was so jealous. I mean, I love Atlanta, but we don't have anything like that. So can you tell everybody what what the Savannah bananas are and, and what they do. So 
The Savannah Bananas are a minor league baseball team and they're based out of Savannah, Georgia. And I'm just going to tell you, try to explain how minor league they are. (laughs) Because I actually think this is important. (laughs) So you have the major leagues, okay? But then you have triple A, double A, high A, low A, short season A, advanced rookie, rookie, professional independent, college. And then you have summer collegiate baseball, which is the level that the Savannah Bananas are at. (laughs) But here's what's crazy. They have and have sold out several seasons in a a row, selling over 4,000 tickets to every single game. So how in the world is a minor, 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 minor league team selling 4,000 tickets a game? Well, they actually have created a culture Their driver in their business is their fans. That's what they're thinking about and obsessing about. And so everything that they do is through the lens of of fans first. Their company is called Fans First Entertainment, actually. So they have trained every employee, whether you're a ticket taker, whether you're concessions, whatever. Our job here is to entertain the fans. So the ticket taker is dressed up in a banana costume. You have a marching band welcoming you into the stadium. They have a dance team called the the Banana Nanas. It's a senior (laughs) citizen dance team. (laughs) They have players performing in skits as entertainment between every half inning. Right. Players. 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 Yeah. Players. They have a breakdancing first base coach. Last year, I saw a video of a team member coming to the plate (laughs) wearing stilts. (laughs) So the whole thing is just, they're constantly thinking about how they can improve that fan experience. And that is their driver. And what I love about this is they're not obsessing about ticket sales. Even when they were just getting started in all this, they didn't start by selling 4,000 tickets a game. They grew to sell 4,000 tickets a game, but they started by focusing on the fans and just falling in love with the process and the joy of doing that work mm-hmm. rather than getting caught up in the revenue, the ticket sales. So many of us in our lives, we just get so obsessed with the end result. We want the destination. And if there's something that I have learned about success, pursuing a new definition of success, what I've learned from Jesse Cole and the Savannah Bananas is what if success is in the process? not the result. What if it's about falling in love with the work, having the joy be in the journey? That to me is a a picture of success that I can get behind, that I can really want to chase. Yeah, no doubt. It's such a great lesson. It's such a great story. And I did the same thing. I As I read it, I looked them up on YouTube and just saw all these incredible videos. I mean, <laughs> I wanted a shirt. I was like, man, but I'm like, oh, that wouldn't be right. I've never been to a game, but one day, one day I'm going to go to one of those games. <laughs> you got to um, go. You one of your it. values, so there's so much in the book and I'm going to skip over sheep bloating for time, but I, I, I do want people to read about sheep bloating, um, which I found on page 165. <laughs> if anyone uh, uh, has the book. What an but, open story loop right there. Yeah. That's right. I, that's a yeah, teaser. Sheep bloating. Go find <laughs> sheep, out. Yeah. Sheep bloating. It's the only book I've read that has sheep bloating in it. But um, you, you say that one of your values is be a firefighter, run toward the problem. 
I yeah. love that. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, so many of us, when we think about success, when we think about our lives and our careers, you know, if I were to, just as an example, if I were to ask you, draw a line on a piece of paper, pull out a pen, draw a line that would model what a successful career would look like. You'd probably draw something starting in the bottom left and you draw a straight line up and to the right. Success is up and to the right, baby, right? That's it. And what I've been learning is that that's not at all true. And one of my friends is a guy named Scott Hamilton, who won an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, he won an Olympic gold medal in figure skating. And what Scott has taught me is that success looks like embracing challenges and learning from failure. And here you've got a guy like Scott who has had cancer and three brain tumors. He's had all of these highs in his career. And yet he's come up against so many challenges along the way. And it's his relationship with failure that has made him successful. He says, what if, even for the sake of conversation, we just started to look at our failures as 100% information. That failure is not the thing that dry, draws us and pulls us out of the game, but actually it's the thing that teaches us the most. And so, so many of us look at problems and failure and setbacks as kind of the plague. We want to distance ourselves from it as far as we possibly can. But what I'm wanting to do is show up a little bit more like a firefighter. Firefighters run into the fire. And when we are up against problems, what if, what if our relationship with failure is that we see it for what it is, information? And so what I am learning is that success looks like embracing challenges, learning from failure, and that ultimately being the pathway to help us win. So good. So well said and so, such a good lesson. Um, I, I love it. And, you know, I, I know you sort of were an entrepreneur, number two at, at StoryBrand and everything, but now you really are. So that mindset, <laughs> that mindset's going to suit you well, because as, as you, as you know, there's going to be lots of squiggly lines on that left to top right uh, path. Um, okay. There's so much more again, we, we could do a part two. Um, but, but I, I want to end with a couple of different questions, but, um, I think you, did you interview both, um, David and Scott on your podcast? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll put a link, yeah. uh, in the show notes so that people can check that out. Um, yeah, it's it, called it, build a winning team. And yeah, both of those guys were some of the early episodes and I've just learned so much from both of them. And I'm trying to just put people out in front of uh, podcast listeners that just can learn from people who are doing success in the way that I am inspired by. Yeah. And those two guys are, are some of them for me, for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing individuals. Okay. Um, I have to ask this question um, because when I wrote my first book in 2018, uh, published in 2019, um, I haven't missed a year where I haven't written another book yet. Um, so I'm curious, wow. I'm curious for you, you must be chewing on the next one or you've got some idea. You don't have to share what it is maybe, but like you got the bug I'm guessing at this point. You know, I I'll, okay. I'll say yes. And okay. Yeah. So I have an idea of what it is and I feel this pressure to lean into it and just start working on it. And there's a guy named Greg McEwen who wrote this book, Essentialism sold millions of copies. 
Seven years later, he releases his next book. And there's something about that that is so interesting to me because I feel the pressure that I have to have another book turned in in 12 months. But knowing and experiencing all that I did with this book, the life that I lived, which helped shape my point of view and the story curation, that just takes time. So I have an idea in mind, and I would say I'm starting to research it, but kind of in the same way that I did with this book, which is I'm listening to podcasts, I'm reading books, not necessarily for research alone, but just pulling those stories. So I really want to write, there's this whole idea, um, kind of a, a I'm not, I'm not going to say like the working title, but there is a, a myth of a silver bullet. I think so many people believe that there is going to be this thing that's ultimately going to lead to our success. And it's, it's the one thing it's, you're just waiting for the big break. I just don't believe that that's true. I don't think that exists. And what I'm inspired by are the people who get a little bit better every single day. You think about guys like Tom Brady and he talks about 1% improvement. Mm -hmm. So I want to write a book around that idea um, continuous improvement as the pathway to success, like it being more about the long game than the, you know, big splash and, and big splashes can happen. But I think more often than not, it's these slow burns that really end up getting traction. Yeah. Well, that's a great topic. I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> I'll, happily, I'll happily read it. Um, okay. Last question for you. Cause I, I love to read books and, and we're both authors. Um, wh what are a couple of your favorite books of all time? It could be Harry Potter. It could be anything like, you know, but yeah. uh, I always want my listeners to be able to hear what some of people's favorite books are. So one of my favorite books is Donald Miller actually wrote a book called a million miles in a thousand years. And the book is about, you know, how do you live a better story with your life? It's just really shaped how I show up. I read that book over a decade ago. It's, it's as relevant today as it's ever been. It's one of those books that I try to read every year because it just puts me into a really good headspace. David Novak wrote a book called Taking People With You, which was a number one New York Times bestseller. But what I love about David, and we've talked about recognition and everything, but David talks about how there's only one way to get big things done. And that's taking people with you. <laughs> and it's just the team approach to everything. And I, I just really, really love that. And then one that's um, a little different from those, but one that's just as inspiring. I don't know if you've read the alchemist. Mm. The alchemist is so good. Yeah, That's, that's I'm been probably, spoil. that's probably the most frequently said book when I asked that question. It's a great book. And what's so interesting, as you think about what we're talking about, it's defining success. And I'm not going to spoil it, but at the end, success to him looks very different than he thought it did mm -hmm. at the beginning of the book. And it's just such a perfect model for what you and I are talking about. Perfect. I it's love a great it. Great book. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. One of the best. Well, Tim, I, I can't thank you enough for, um, for, for joining me on the podcast, but for writing this book. I mean, I, I honestly, like when you sent me this advanced copy, I devoured it. I loved it. So I've got notes and highlights and, um, I hope everyone listening to this will at least grab a copy, but I think we all know people who could also use this book. So, um, best of luck to you. And, and, uh, I I'll have you on, uh, when you do book two, it sounds very interesting. Man. 
I'll, I'll leave you with this. You're so kind to invite me on. I, I really love talking about this stuff. And, and this is what I hope all of us can be thinking about as we walk from, from today, walking into our days. Albert Schweitzer said this, I don't know what your destiny will be. Some of you will perhaps occupy remarkable positions. Perhaps some of you will become famous by your pens or as artists. But I know one thing. The only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Perfect. I love it. All right, Tim. Well, best of luck. Hopefully I'll see you when you come to Atlanta at some point. I love it. Thanks, Jeff. All right, man. Bye. Wow. You made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com. And I really do appreciate you listening. Oh, 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 oh,